Good morning and welcome to episode 39 of the Quickie Podcast. Thank you for being here. You know, guys, I've switched it up a little bit. I got some new stuff in this episode and I think you're going to dig it. It's a little bit fun, a little bit unique, a little bit different. So later in this episode, right near the end, we get into the first ever Quickie Podcast lightning round. That's 10 questions back to back to back and one or two word answers, some of them design related, some of them just funky and quirky and weird because that's my personality. And then right after the lightning round, I give my guest a chance to ask a question of tomorrow's guest. They don't know who the guest is, but they get a chance to pick the question and I will ask it of that guest. The pay it forward question, I'm calling it. So today's guest is Chelsea McKenzie. She is a multidisciplinary designer currently working in real estate development. She's done the production designer thing, the agency designer thing, and she's done the freelance design thing and is currently in-house and loving it. She shares stories with us about how her dad was a foster parent growing up and the big mix of kids coming and going from the house in different situations there. She also shares that she was taught at a young age to recognize beauty out in the world from the shape or the lines on a car to uh, the nature itself. So she shares that with us. She also gives an awesome tool suggestion at the end of the episode that she just can't live without. And I echoed the agreement with this one because I use this all the time. So listen for that, but let's get right into today's episode. Ladies and gentlemen, Chelsea McKenzie, here we go. Welcome to the Quickie Podcast, the daily interview show where we talk to graphic designers about their journey to the creative field, and we do it in 30 minutes or less. So, are you ready for a Quickie? Chelsea, how are you? Oh, I'm so good. So caffeinated, ready to rock. How are you? I'm doing terrific. Are you ready for the Quickie? Am I? Am I ever? Let's do it. All right. So briefly tell the listeners about yourself. I am, I'd say, a multidisciplinary designer from environmental to uh, fleet graphics to print, but lots of visual. Mm -hmm. And I've come up through the production world into agency, freelancing, but now I'm in-house creative lead with Century Group, a real estate developer based in the Metro Vancouver area. Perfect. You nailed that one. So I want to take this back even further, and I want to know what your childhood was like, and do you feel that you had a creative childhood, and what made it that way? Oh, man. Yes, I did. I had a creative childhood, but probably not in the constraints of design and creative industries. Okay, do I will. Yeah, my dad, my father, was a foster parent as his primary vocation and career Mm -hmm. to at-risk youth and violent teens or teens that had to be separated from their families for various reasons. So the house I grew up in, even though I wasn't a foster child, was run as a foster home. So it was a lot of uh, new kind of half brothers and sisters running around and just really volatile. Uh And uh, my mom uh, did her doctorate in or master's in 
young adult and child development, and then a doctoral degree in women and leadership. So between the two of them and my father's sociology background, they were constantly treating us herd of kids and adolescents as projects. And (laughs) everything was a learning opportunity. And every table time was this looking for social patterns and how can you change? And let's talk about a personality assessment. So things were very creative, but the form of living was our creative um, outlet, I think. How we scheduled shower times and how we uh, loaded the dishwasher. Everything felt like a creative exercise. Wow. So how many kids in the house at one time? There was myself and my biological brother, his name's Eric, uh, and he's actually second generation foster parent now doing the same thing. But we had anywhere from one to three additional foster brothers and sisters, um, and they would be in the house. So we kind of had a five to seven, five to seven people running around. Yeah. And at different times, we even held whole families who may be like missionaries on furlough, needing a break and having nowhere to live. So we had a South Asian family of five live with us for three or four months. So wow, just a really um, bustling household. So lots of people and different ways of doing life. Yeah. Busy revolving house for sure then. Yeah. Yeah. So, So what do you think then out of that led you to becoming a designer and getting into this creative field? Yeah, I think the way my parents saw the world and they saw um, patterns in a really unique way Mm -hmm. through my mom's kind of love of governance, of structure, of organization, of educational leadership. And then my father's um, way of looking at things that honed down on the individual and one person's experience and how maybe one moment would shape a child's life or could undo hurt. Um, He would see those as processes that you could design and undesign. So there's a lot about the social development, social change that endeared me towards design thinking really young, but I always used it or saw it as a tool. Um, So I think that's where my brain got kickstarted down the design path. Mm -hmm. But I think my father's eye for visual beauty, and I can get into that for a second, just really cooked me young. He would point out, you know, the Audi driving down the street and like, look at those lines, or we just go looky-loo at boats down at the dock. And he would see, see this one, how the, you know, the blue hole and the shape of that curve. And you knew that someone designed that yacht. You knew that someone was thoughtful about that vehicle and the difference between admiring something and it just being another car on the road was the thoughtfulness of the design. And I think that uh, came through my father. Oh, that's really unique. So then you do, you have a heart and a passion for nonprofit design and helping nonprofits Mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. So do you think that childhood and those experiences led you to that and to have the heart for that? Yeah, definitely. Um, throughout my father's career and my mother's, no matter what they did vocationally by day, they gave away a lot of their time to the community. And I remember my dad took off uh, when I was a kid for in, in between our foster kids. He went to India for a time to help a nonprofit shape some of their educational programs for three mm-hmm. months. And just knowing he was away in India and that, that was so cool. And he came back and just told stories and cared a lot. And the way he looked at that what change is possible. I knew that change is possible at every level. 
And I think that that gave me a foundation to give away time just as one might give a donation of cash to BC Cancer. You can also give your time away and your talent away. And um, I started doing that really early, just volunteering at local groups. And it's also a great way for a young designers to young designers to earn their almost 10,000 hours of experience mm-hmm. is giving away stuff for cheap. Um, you know, I, the lots of caveats, which I'm sure we'll talk about later. But um, yeah, don't give away your time totally for free. But I think earning earning your way in the world, but through people who need it. Yeah, I really love that. Oh, such a good perspective. I really like that. So then take us back to when you first started noticing design out in the world. What did you start to see? Yeah, I have this visceral memory of like a pair of Nike shoes somewhere. I think just (laughs) like a department store or something. And I, I can imagine it would be that similar experience to my dad or brother ogling the fancy Audi on the street. Uh I just knew something about this pair of shoes felt more thoughtful, more attractive to me. And it, it may have cost more or something, but I think early the, the slopes of the lines on it and the color combinations that seem more thoughtful or um, the way it was maybe going to fit with outfits. Like it just, I rem- remember maybe being five or six and it was okay that I had to save a bit more allowance money to wait for the nicer one because I just knew it was worth it for me. So yeah, that, that for me was a really big deal. (laughs) The Nike shoes, the little Nike shoes. (laughs) And there was an embarrassing time when anytime I purged my closet and would give away shoes, I would take like a final photo of those shoes. And I had this little album of shoes. I wore young because I, the shoes were like these things that carried you through your life. And I was so careful about selecting them that documenting them on their way out, their grave, if you will. was uh, Yeah. So to have like the permanent memory of them, you'll live forever here. Yeah. You'll live forever in my heart. And I'm (laughs) sure I've recycled those photos now, but yeah. So then what has been the most influential design of your life so far, either something you've seen or something you've been a part of? Yeah. Do you think you want to hear both what has impressed on me and what I've maybe put into the world. Yes, Is that kind I of what do. you're thinking? Cool. I think one of the most influential designers or processes for me has been um, kind of a mentor of mine for a season was the designer Mike Savage while I worked at Signals Design Group. He he has this way of thinking where he wanted you to build a process that outlived you with every step. Mm-hmm. And as my first agency job and knowing that that place I had walked into had, you know, predated me by 25 years would have outlived my time there. Likely Um, anything I touched, even if it was a Photoshop file and I was layering it, how to do non-destructive edits, how to think of the person you're passing it to after you. And I often have that passing thought, like what would Mike do now? (laughs) And it's, it's a way of not being lazy and getting around that quick and dirty um, mode that designers can get into. And there's a time and place for that. But especially now in my career as an in-house designer, where I'm constantly passing off work or work lives in infamy on our very big servers, um, not being lazy, even in your detailed layers is a really, that made such an influence on my process, I think. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I was happy to contribute to the world, um, 
maybe it was our Barbican property management group redesign. Okay. It involved five vehicle graphics and a whole fleet of uniforms and a really big business case that we had to work with. And we really got to speak into the business through design. So I'm really proud of that. That's cool. And that also sounds like it spread beyond just, you know, a website or just a print piece. It was uniforms sure. and vehicle wraps and it kind of sure. had more signage placemaking. Yeah. A lot, a lot of stuff. Yep. Ah, nice one. Uh, really well. So what has been the most challenging time in your design career so far? Why was it challenging and how did you get through it? Whew, um, Into the heavy ones now. Yeah, definitely the heavy ones. And how to speak about those times well when they were so tumultuous at the time. Mm -hmm. I think the choices in the transitions between all those phases of my career I mentioned earlier from, um, you know, my first production jobs to agency, then agency to freelance, freelance to in-house, specifically the leap from my freelance years, four or five years, I think there, to accept this in-house position was several months of soul searching. And it was a bit fraught um, for me. And I had to get through it, I think, by knowing myself well enough to know how I, how thoroughly I needed to process it to feel like I wouldn't regret whichever outcome I chose. Mm -hmm. And as an extrovert, knowing I'm an ENFP on the Myers-Briggs, I'd have to figure out how I felt about it. I'd have to figure out how to process it out loud with people I respected. How could I, um, how could I see around a corner a little bit and would I regret it? So it was a lot of phone calls, calls to old mentors um, and, and looking for the learning opportunities around this next uh, stage. So I ended up accepting obviously, cause I'm still here. It's been four years. It was a great decision. It just took me a couple months to make. So <laughs> <laughs> I actually really like the way you worded that, you know, viewing them instead of challenges and problems as learning opportunities or experience mm -hmm. opportunities. Mm -hmm. And I think there's um, many of us who are entrepreneurially minded and a bit ambitious have a dark shadow trait of being, uh, can giving into our self deceit a little bit, what we're capable of. And I think I wanted to know that I was capable of this thing and that came through letting the people I trust in my life speak really frankly and not um, putting words in their mouth, waiting for them to tell me the truth about myself. And I think there's a lot of growth there. Really well said. Um, so I didn't really give you this one on the questionnaire, but I'm going to bring it up since we're in sort of the, the tough ones right now. Mm -hmm. um, what is something that you're struggling with in your design career right now? Um. Yeah, I'm struggling with sometimes the disconnect between when designers are brought into the conversation and when the decisions around strategy and budget allocations um, and long-term planning are made. Even if, for example, in my current role as an in-house designer, I get a lot of influence around a lot of little things, but sometimes we're building whole communities, which we are now, and those communities uh, can be underway for 20 years, and different things need to be considered at different times, and um, various design disciplines will come in and out of that process. So an architect might help shape a vision, 
uh, us as the real estate developers, we're responsible to have continuity of vision from the beginning of the process all the way to when the last homeowner gets the key to their door. And you're handing off vision you know, from one trade to another or one design discipline to another and how to transfer and imbue vision to the next person um, without having them feel like they're just inheriting a box that they have to live in. Mm -hmm. I think that handoff is a challenging handoff. It takes a lot of high EQ and some soft edges um, and where you can allow the next player to have a bit of agency and expertise. And I think that whole navigating that whole field is, is hard. Yep. I completely agree from all the stories that I've heard. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to stick with this sort of troubling, troubling category just for one more. I promise we'll move on. No, I'm so <laughs> negative. I'm just going to be a big complaining great episode. Stories. No, no, no. We'll get to the good stuff. Um, how do you, uh, sorry, hang on here, Sarah. Um, no, let's do it this way. Take us to a design or a project that you were a part of that did not go well or bring the desired result. Um, what was that like and how did that feel? Oh man. Uh, <laughs> did I write down something in advance for this one? I can't remember. Um, something that didn't go well. You know what? That exact thing that I'm really proud of in the end had a really rough patch in it for me. And I think I'll keep with that. My, this project for Barbican, mm-hmm. um, it's a multi-city uh, property management uh, entity that we own and run and operate. And it's amazing. But I rebranded the whole kit and caboodle uh, for several months behind the scenes, toiling with my team and my director. And we uh, revealed aha to the CEO and uh, the CEO loved everything. You know, I, I actually, his schedule was so full the week of the reveal. I had to come in at 7am and do a pre dawn presentation mm-hmm. and full of, boards everywhere and I was really proud of the work I did he had signed every every sheet saying it's amazing so good I kind of was giving that high five with my eyes to my director across the room and as the CEO left the room he's like oh just change the color I'm not a fan of blue (laughs) and and my heart sank I almost threw up (laughs) it was just one of those things that um no, what the heck? <laughs> how, how could I have missed that? Or it, does that matter at this point? And does he get to say that? Does it stick? Well, of course it matters. Of course it sticks. It's his company. Um, it should have been one of those things that I asked with enough force at the beginning that decisions are made at one stage have continuity through to the end. Yeah. We can't do and undo different things at different stages. So I think that uh, what sounded like a flippant comment, and I know he does nothing flippantly, but it came across casual to me. And I needed a good two or three weeks to almost grieve um, the work that it would be. uh, All those elements would have to get retouched and I'd have to, to do it all over again in some way. And there was no business case for me to say it should be blue instead of not particularly the next color we ended up going with mm-hmm. which is very successful um but he he knew this was going to be absolutely everywhere and uh, blue was too common a color and i probably made a mistake and i think his intuition caught it and um yeah it, it's fine it's everywhere it's now a wonderful 
a plum color, like a yep. plum lime combination, um, which is a bit more innovative than I was taking it. But um, anyway, there were several months where I just had to catch my breath, set it all aside, do other things, and I couldn't look at it for a while. So, so what what is the sort of lesson in that? Is that basically where you can ask up front what is what's sort of the hard nose in in this project? Yeah. I learned a few things. One is I think he, I'm speculating here, but I, I think it was one of my first big projects mm-hmm. where I was overhauling so much here and new to that in-house position. I speculate that uh, he was keeping the project moving forward without giving me too much pushback. I think so I could have a bit more free reign to keep going. Mm-hmm. Um, I, so I think even if he had a pause on something, he thought, well, we can fix it later. There's great momentum here. Let's keep the project going. I, I think I could have been more clear in saying these ingredients that were developing for approval when I did have his approval on the um, uh, initial brand deck, you know, fonts and logos and shapes and color palettes and all the stuff that was bought into mm-hmm. that switching any number of those things from here on out have significant time ram- uh, repercussions. Yes. Um, so for me, it's uh, beginning to impose process where there are certain dependencies that, be- that are nearly immovable after that. Um, but that's the thing is I remember at my agency, we used to say, well, there's no design emergencies because it's amazing how much you can change. Worst comes to worst, you reprint something, you update a website. So anyway, we hadn't graphic the vehicle. It wasn't that big a deal. It was a few weeks of my life, but <laughs> I, I could have been more assertive. And I think I found an, a level of assertion that's appropriate now for projects like this. Yeah. Oh, so, well said, Chelsea. Really well said. I really followed that uh, the journey. I felt like I was there with you. <laughs> Thank you. Kiss. Were you in the pain? Were you in the rage too? I'm feeling it. I'm sweating here. <laughs> okay. So I want to stick with stories, but I'm going to turn the corner here. Um, what is a project you've been a part of that you were the most proud of? Yeah. Oh man. Um, one of the things that's never going to see the light of day is I was a part of the Van Ock um, Olympic program mm-hmm. in the sense that the company I was with at the time was developing commemorative stamps for the opening and closing ceremonies. Cool. And it's it's literally printing currency. You know, it's, it's such a timeless piece. It was so much effort, uh, incredible clarity on what is possible and isn't possible to make these stamps. The budgets were huge. The attention was huge. And I didn't even get mine selected. But to be a part of the process with a group of people that I had held in such high regard, people who are teaching now, like John Belial is teaching at Kwantlen, or Mike, who I mentioned earlier, or at the time, Costa Tsitsikas, who ran and founded Signals Design Group. And I had only been there maybe a year, year and a half as a young designer, and they included me, they mentored me through that. Um, and I got, you know, one of the top five presentations that was given to this Van Ock group included my work. And I still have the um, almost uh, in my own work in my portfolio, but it didn't really go anywhere and it didn't have to. All of the process was as rich as it needed to be. And I think that's something that I'm very proud of. Ah, I like that one. Yeah, the Van Ock Committee. So even just being a part of that process, mm-hmm. um, you know, has definitely impacted you. Yeah. 
Yeah, one of the other things that I'm proud of, if I can just say one more, is um, I attend a lot of conferences, mostly because I inhale learning and knowledge like a fire hydrant. But um, I attended a forum on human trafficking, and I was listening to the depth of the problem and how connected we're going to all have to be to help solve it in Canada. And I just went uh, by myself with no backing, no company, no product I was selling, but I was listening to different people start to congregate in these pockets. And I could hear them wondering how they were going to collaborate, how they were going to um, mix resources. And I just stuck my head in there and raised my hand to offer to be a seat, uh, take a seat at the table and help them collaborate. Because I said, as a designer, uh, quality collaborations is literally what I do all day. How mm-hmm. can I help facilitate this? So again, not a ton is seeing the light of day yet. We have a video campaign that's been out all last year that was really um, influential, I think, to Ottawa and their their policy thinkers. But the um, collection of effort, uh, I'm really proud of being a part of gathering those minds together. That's another good one. Really cool. And that definitely lies with your, um, you know, your love for nonprofits and for helping. Yeah, yeah. And and incredibly complicated issue, where there is no silver bullet. And I think in my visual design life, as opposed to design process or design facilitation, you can get so excited about a really clear galvanizing mark or font or tagline or website impression. And the payoff is so rich. Um, It's a longer haul with these other complicated strategies. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. So now I want to give you an opportunity to shout out a couple um, of, you know, your colleagues or your, um, some influences from your design career. And I want to ask who is a designer or brand that you look up to or closely follow? And what is it about them that you like? Oh man, so many. I would say someone I keep my eye on all the time is Alyssa Yuhas from Toronto. Mm-hmm. She started Like Minds co-working space and she's the art director of Darling Magazine. I appreciate her really discerning eye in her Instagram stories. She's also quite a whole person in her social media life. Mm-hmm. Um, she's pretty easy to find. Yuhas is spelled Y-U-H-A-S. And she's amazing. She also co-founded the Designer Vacay Conference in Palm Springs with oh, cool. Promise Tangerine. I also love Tiffany Tulliver. Um, I'm not sure how to spell her last name, but she's found at the EmmaRoseAgency.com. And she is a boss lady who does primarily web design as the tangible takeaway for what you would experience with her services. But her her process and behind the scenes, how she shows up for her clients is incredible. And her commitment to uh, improving your data, your metrics, your, um, uh, what is that word that they use in the world? Shoot. Conversions, your conversion you rate. <laughs> she, she like, she's like, if you don't, you know, triple your sales, it is my fault and I will help get you out of it. And here we go. And just her before and afters are incredible. Finally, um, my friend Andrea Fruling, and actually her husband too, Nick Fruling, but she is a creative coach. She, I think, has a master's or degree, I think, something in fine art at Trinity, I believe. And mm-hmm. she went on to get a coaching, um, coaching, coaching certification at UBC and just a really creative mind. She's doing big things globally, and her Fruling is 
F-R-U-H-L-I-N-G. If you're looking for a coach in your creative career, she's killer. I loved meeting Jessica Bellamy recently. She's amazing. Jessica Bellamy.design. And I follow her because of my uh, obsession with nonprofit and tactical social action that can be prompted by design. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And, and I said finally already, but one more, Jess Smith. Now she is younger than myself and a career that's newer, but I've, we sort of started with, with me mentoring her in design, but I feel like it's flipped. She's um, got such a great eye and she's a really a designer's designer. And I, she may even work with uh, Glenmore out there. Um, but her website is jessisadesigner.com. I guess Jess Smith doesn't have the greatest SEO. Sorry, girl. But she, <laughs> she just picks the best fonts of all time. And if I ever need a second gut check on a mark, I go to her. So, oh, All great mentions. Thanks. I feel like I feel like the ladies got a shout out on that one. You know what? They really did. I think <laughs> I think they really did. You know, I think the guys, uh, some of them, like Dennis Boyle, was on your show already. I've had some chats with him. Uh, who else? I follow Andy J. Miller, another podcast guy. Are you aware of him? No. Oh no. yes, yes I am. That's, okay. There's something about pizza in his name too, right? Andy J. Pizza. Yes. Again, like my friend Jess Smith, his name, Andy Miller, is not the best for online social media, I'm sure. But mm-hmm. yeah, his his uh, take is great because he says he draws invisible things. And I just love that. Since making complex simple is my passion, he takes uh, invisible to visible, which is a wonderful a wonderful thing to do. Perfect. Now, usually this is the last question I ask on the show, but today I'm doing things a little bit different. All right. Um, So I'm going to ask you this question, and then I want to get to a lightning round, which you know (laughs) nothing about, which I'm excited for. Whoa. And then a new little segment that you and I talked about uh, a couple of days ago, and I'm going to do the pay it forward question. Oh, that's so great. Yeah, let's do it. Right. So the last question sort of scheduled is what is one design product, tool, website, or community that you can't live without? I am purposely going to say the most embarrassing answer here. I I can't live without screenshots. It's so true. I feel like I can hack together a mood board so fast. And it's really my secret sauce to building a pretty quick and simple kind of accurate gut instinct of why I'm thinking one thing or going a direction. My desktop is constantly needing to be purged from mm-hmm. screenshots. Oh, I'm so with you there. That's a great answer. <laughs> okay, Chelsea. Even before Adobe, even before Adobe products, I need my screenshots. Got to have the screenshots. Yeah. So this is the first ever um, lightning round on the <laughs> Quickie podcast. Are you ready to go here? I am so ready. Quickie I, and lightning. We're yeah. just all the speed, all the speed. <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> um, so basically, it's a question, and I'm there's. It's basically a one or two word answer, and I want you to fire it off first thing on your mind. Even if you know, I say, do you like hot dogs? And you say pineapple. Even if oh. that's the case. Blasphemous. <laughs> right, yeah. Hey, ready to go? Yep. A nickname only your parents would know. Dee Dee. Texting or phone call texting what is your spirit animal um lord what's my spirit animal i don't think i can say spirit animal anymore but it's probably gonna be squirrel because my mind we can already hear it (laughs) uh notebook and pencil or laptop notebook and quality black ballpoint pen 
Oh, okay. Uh, you can have one superpower. What is it? Uh, infinite cardio. I oh, would love amazing. to just yeah, kayak <laughs> for days, bike for days. That'd be so fun. Website design or print design? Oh, print. I love a precious little thing. Oh, yeah. Uh, say one word in a different language. Je ne sais pas. Oh. Ask for permission or ask for forgiveness later. Forgiveness. If you were on Fear Factor, would you rather be covered in spiders or eat insects? Ah, uh, ah, uh, <laughs> rock and hard place. Can the insects that I eat be dead? I'll eat dead insects. No, sorry, they're living. No, then surrounded by spiders. I can't <laughs> eat oh no. Last one. You can only use one Adobe Suite product for the rest of your career. What is it? Oh, it's going to be InDesign. There it is. <laughs> Ooh, the first lightning Boom. round. Well done, Chelsea. Well Where's done. Where's my deodorant? <laughs> All right. Now, the last question today is the pay it forward question where you, as the guest, get to pick one question, any question, whatever you think of, that I will ask the next guest that follows your episode. Yes. Yes. I love this so much because it forces me to think deep, think who would I sit with? And look forward to the next episode. And I'm not going to tell you who the next guest is, but I'm going to ask them whatever you want me to. Oh, no. Um, when your nails are sharp, how do you pick your nose? No, just kidding. Oh, I, was, <laughs> oh, I, almost wrote, I almost wrote it. I was excited. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's so funny. Um, what non-design book would you take on vacation? Perfect. Yeah, why not? That's it. It's Chelsea, summertime. you're done. Yeah. Thanks so much for the call. This has been such a fun call. Thank you so much for being a guest on the show today. It was awesome having you. Looking forward to it. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I really appreciate it. So I got my first ever pay it forward question for my next guest. Got to listen to tomorrow's episode to hear how they answer that one. Thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. Have an awesome day.